Hello, hello. Good Monday morning to you. How are you today? I hope you are doing wonderful. Hello, this is me, Ellie Krug. You are listening to Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. You know, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Also, my mouthpiece. Anyway, how are you? Good Monday. Good Monday. I am thrilled to be back with you.、Um, And I'm thrilled to have you,、um, or at least occupy a part of your brain for even a few minutes. Perhaps for some of you, the whole hour. Oh my gosh.、Um, two things about this show. First, it will be a talking head show. Sorry.、Um, try as I might, I wasn't able to book someone for the big interview for this show. And I think that's all right every once in a while. So you just have me. Ellie Krug with the way too masculine voice for the entirety of the show. Ooh, there you go. Second thing about this show our theme is about education. It's about、uh, teaching or being taught and how that intertwines with idealism. And it's, and it's education one step further because it's about walking. Part of this show is about understanding what it means to walk in the shoes of another. Um, I'm going to feature on this show a couple of idealists, one of whom is a household name who you would never think of as an idealist, but he sure is. So let's get started. For my block A here, I want to talk about an elementary school teacher from my home state of Iowa. Yep, Iowa keeps creeping into my、um, LE 2.0 shows. I kind of love it. Some of you who are not Iowa fans, well, sorry. In 1968, Um, an elementary school teacher by the name of Jane Elliott did something that still has meaning today, 50 years later. Now, most of you do not know the name Jane Elliott, but the story I'm going to tell you, many of you have heard in one way or another. So I want to take you back to the evening of April 4th, 1968. Now, you history buffs will know that that night, that day, really is a day. Um, that rests with infamy in the United States history. On April 4th, 1968, Jane Elliott was in her home in small Riceville, Iowa, watching the television and iron- while she was ironing a teepee that would be a Native American teepee for a class exercise that she was going to engage in the next day with her third grade, third grade graders.、Um, she, t- she taught third grade. At Riceville, Iowa school.、Um, and、uh, she was watching the TV, and on the TV came a special news report, a special bulletin, that's what they used to call it, announcing that Martin Luther King had been assassinated. That's why April 4th is a day that is pretty、um, dismal for our country. And then、um, during、uh, that News bulletin.、Um, the press,、uh, the, the, TV, the news report cut away to a white reporter who pointed his microphone to a black leader in some urban setting and asked, quote, When our leader, John F. Kennedy, was killed, his widow held us together. Who's going to control your people? Unquote. Yeah. Somebody said that on national news. I think back in 1968, that probably question was not at all unusual. But that question shocked Elliot、um, to realizing that many thought of a white America as being entirely different from black America. And because the class exercise the next day centered on the theme of the Sioux prayer,、um, and I'm going to quote that prayer.、Um, Quote, oh, great spirit, keep me from ever judging a man until I have walked in his moccasins. Unquote. Because that was the class exercise the next day for her third graders, she started to imagine how she could teach our, her third graders about discrimination. And so she imaginatively, I, I, I give her really great credit because it took a lot for her to do this. She came up with an exercise to teach all. All of her third graders, who happened to be white from rural Iowa, what it meant to be the victim of discrimination. So the next day, that would be April 5th of 1968, she goes into her class and she announces that she's going to teach them about what it means to be 
essentially other. I'm sure she did not use that phrase, but that is really what she taught them. So she divided the class. Now this is where you're going. Some of you will remember this. She divided the class into blue-eye students and into brown-eye students. She had made some brown fabric collars and had the blue-eyed students wrap those collars around the brown-eyed students. Then for the rest of the day, she gave blue-eyed students special treatment. She, ta she told the blue-eyed stu students that they were special, that there was something in their melatonin skin that made their eyes turn blue, and that it was, um, and that they they were more special as a result. And and for the rest of the day, her blue-eyed students got special things. They got second helpings of lunch. They got access to a new jungle gym um, at the school, which the brown-eyed students could not access. Um, they the blue-eyed students got five extra minutes at recess. The brown-eyed, the blue-eyed students got to sit at the front of the classroom. The brown-eyed students had to sit at the back. Uh, think about that for symbolism. The blue-eyed students were encouraged to play only with other blue-eyed students. And the blue-eyed students and the brown-eyed students had to drink at separate water fountains. She chastised the brown-eyed students who made mistakes and made examples of them to the whole class. And as she did this, she watched as the blue-eyed students started to become bossy and arrogant, and that the brown-eyed students started to become subservient. Now, this was only a single-day exercise, but she, in that one day, realized that the schoolwork of the brown-eyed students was suffering. They did poor on tests taken during that day, and there were other um, and on other indicators of success, they, they, they did poorly. The next day, okay, so this would be April 6th, the next day, two days after Dr. King was murdered. Elliot reversed the roles. She made the brown-eyed kids the ones who had privilege, and the blue-eyed ones were the ones who had to wear, collar, the, wear the collars. And it, she, the brown-eyed kids on the second day got all the privileges that the blue-eyed kids had had on the day before. But something interesting happened. She found that the brown-eyed kids, now the ones that were favored, weren't as demeaning as the blue-eyed kids had been the day before. And she theorized, and later confirmed by the kids themselves, that this was because the brown-eyed kids knew what it felt like to be discriminated against, to be othered by the, the blue-eyed kids. So they brown-eyed kids had understood this on the first day. They had learned what it meant to be at the bottom of the heap. And the kids later, so a few days later, the kids wrote about what it felt like to be discriminated against. And the children's reactions, so their, their stories were published in the Riceville Recorder, your little town newspaper, under the headline of Quote, how discrimination feels, unquote. From there, fate intervened. And the Associated Press picked up the story. And before Elliot um, knew, Jane Elliot knew, she was on Johnny Carson's show. The producer for Johnny Carson's Tonight Show called and invited her to New York to be on the show. And then what happened after that, after she was on the show, wasn't at all positive. TV viewers called in and criticized Elliot for experimenting with white children. One caller even called in and said, black kids are used to being discriminated against. How dare she subject white kids to that trauma? Um, and then she paid a price for her experiment, frankly, for her idealism, um, back home in Riceville. Because there was backlash in Riceville over her engaging in this exercise. Um, uh, she was shunned uh, by her teachers. There was only, out of uh, a number of teachers at the school, there was only one that continued to talk to her afterwards. She was shunned by um, people in the community. Her son was bullied as a result of um, Elliot's uh, work and her publicity over it. Apparently, Riceville thought that Elliot was, in turn, uh, implicitly calling Riceville racist. Although, although um, Elliot did no such thing, but you know, 
people reacted that way. And that tells you the insecurities that people have around discussions about race, even though they weren't even participating in it. However, the idea of, of teaching about discrimination, about actually educating about discrimination, about what it means like means to walk in the shoes of someone else, um, that had huge appeal. And as this country was coming to grips, um, having tackled uh, Jim Crow um, vigorously in the 1960s, and now then in the 70s and 80s, having to deal with the stuff that was at the workplace, the stuff that was in the churches, the stuff that were in their organizations, Jane Elliott became um, quite a sought-after speaker. And she eventually left teaching at Riceville and began conducting diversity training at major corporations and for state and local governments and federal government as well. In fact, Jane Elliott was the forerunner of the work that I do now, my human inclusivity work with my company, Human Inspiration Works. She is someone on whose shoulders I now stand. And as for those third grade students, and, and I should add that th there was a movie actually made about uh, this experiment where they went back to Riceville and talked to some of the students. And about 15 years after this, there was a, a reunion of the students from her third grade class. And one of those students wrote about how this experimented experiment, two-day experiment, had impacted them for the rest of their lives. And I'm going to read you a quote from one of those students. Quote, um, and this uh, shows up uh, on, a, um, on the site of the Lowell Milken Center that um, identifies Jane Elliott as a hero. Here's a quote from one of her students. Quote, This brown eyes, blue eyes exercise is an emotional learning experience which gets, which gets seared into your soul and becomes part of who you are. You carry it with you wherever you go. Sometimes, whether you want to or not, and unlike things you learn in school like math or algebra, you cannot unlearn it. You cannot forget it. Unquote. You carry it with you wherever you go. That is how we get change in our country. That is how we make a difference in the world, by getting people to think and by getting ideas and lessons seared into one's soul. Jane Elliott, she was an idealist. She made an impact. She paid a price for it, but she never stopped. She's still alive, still speaking, still doing her work, and she is a hero of mine. There you go. So you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug. I call myself a practical idealist. You're listening to Ellie 2.0, where we talk about idealism, where we talk about what it means to make a difference in the world. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com or email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. I love hearing from listeners. When we come back, we'll do more on this Talking Head show about education and idealists. Thank you. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. It's a good day to be indigenous. Native Earths Radio presents I'm Awake. Our weekly Native American talk radio show will discuss national and local Native American news and events. Local and national guests will help us keep current 
with Mother Earth, Tribal, and Twin City issues. Native American issues are human issues. We invite all people to walk hand-in-hand with our struggles, victories, and achievements. Listen Saturdays at 2 p.m. I am awake. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Oh no, you shattered your cell phone. Now what? Listen closely. We know you're lost without your phone. Bring it to Computer Revolution today. We'll fix it and have you back online before someone asks, where are you? Computer Revolution with Cell Phone Repair has over 18 years experience fixing computer devices, all brands, all carriers. Computer Revolution with Cell Phone Repair, located in Roseville at Highway 36 and Fairview Avenue, or call 651-633-6600. We fix phones, same day, seven days a week. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we are back on AM950. Hello, hello again. Ellie Krug here with AM950 with Ellie 2.0 Radio, where we talk about idealism and practical idealists. And you know, I forgot to say in the introductory remarks, and I should probably say them right now for the new listeners who are like, okay, who is this Ellie Krug, and why does she have such a deep voice? And so new listeners and old listeners, please put up with me on this. I only say it one show. Um, once a show, and so here we go. News listeners, hi, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Um, but just so you know, I am a woman. My name is Ellie. If you're looking at me right now on Facebook Live, you know I look relatively good. Long blonde hair, fairly good figure, and uh, not too bad for 61 years old. However, I am transgender. And so I'm one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. Old listeners, you, you can all almost just say that along with me, can't you, at this point? So I feel I am neurotic. I do feel that I need to say that every once, every show, because, you know, people are just wondering. So here you go. Okay, we are in our second block of the show, our B block. And I want to now shift from the 1960s to today, to real time, to another idealist who is a household name, who walks in really big shoes, probably size 16, and who, like Jane Elliott, is using his imagination in education to create real societal change. He is, who is, <laughs> I should read my notes here, who is our very unlikely idealist? Somebody you know, household name, LeBron James. Yep, yep. Part of what I'm going to tell you is from a July 31 Money Magazine article by Max Zahn. So, of course, LeBron James is famous for basketball. But now, now, he's becoming famous for education. Um, at the end of July, and again in early August as this was rolled out, we heard about the LeBron James Family Foundation announcement of opening the I promise, that is I, the letter I, promise, second word, I promise public school in LeBron's hometown of Akron, Ohio. I promise is a radically different school funded in part with $2 million from LeBron's foundation. For starters, the students at the school who are third and fourth graders, this is school is in Akron, third and fourth graders are all students who have struggled at other schools. This is not a school where they're cre taking the cream of the crop and just helping them to get even better. No. No, no, no. This is a school where, where it will be filled 
with students who have challenges. Um, and now, and I, I, I come from a family with two other two educators in the family. I guess you could say, with my training, I'm sort of an educator. Let me just tell you this: I don't believe that anyone is impossible. I don't believe, unless there is some very, very serious um, um, chemical imbalance, I don't believe that any kid that cannot, any kid is beyond getting to where they need to go to succeed. It's just a matter of giving them the right care, the right attention, and most of all, the right motivation. So this school, okay, will have students who have been challenged, who have challenges. And the school is entirely different. It's radical in a number of ways. First of all, the class size will be limited to 20 students. Uh, they have a different kind of school year. It's going to go from July through May. They have a different kind of school day from 9 in the morning till 5 in the, after, 5 in the evening. All the students will get free breakfast and lunch and snacks. All of the students will get free bicycles. That's because LeBron used to used his bike when he lived in poverty in Akron. Um, he used his bike as a way to escape his low-income neighborhood. Um, the students will get free uh, free transportation to the school, which of course usually comes with public schools, um, but also free uniforms. The school day will be in part. Here is another radical thing that I just absolutely love reading. School day will in part be devoted to social emotional learning and students will participate in quote supportive circles unquote after lunch to help refocus on their schoolwork. The camp on the campus will be more than one coordinator to help hook up students and their families into community resources. I promise offers all students who graduate from high school so these are third and fourth graders but if they make it all the way through high school and they graduate, LeBron guarantees them free tuition at the University of Akron. And it doesn't stop with the students. Again, more radical, more thinking outside the box. The parents or their guardians will be provided with GED classes and job placement skill setting. They call this wraparound support and family integration. This is a remarkable concept that goes back to LeBron's experience of growing up without resources. He talks often about missing 43 days of fourth grade because he and his mother were homeless and moving from place to place. Think about that. Missing a whole month and a half of fourth grade because you had no place to live. And I am sure not a whole lot to eat and I'm sure not a whole lot of other stuff. The goal with I Promise is to expand school, eventually the school to be uh, to go from first to eighth grade. But everything you do, you try out on a pilot basis. Why do I talk about this? I promise school. Well, in part, it's to show that idealists turn up in ex unexpected places. I mean, who would have thought? LeBron James, really? Um, you know, and LeBron doesn't need to do this. I mean, he is a three three-time NBA champ he three time he's been on three NBA championships of course he was instrumental to all those championships and he has four um, MVPs he does not need to do this but yet he's doing it and he's gone on record as saying that the I promise school it's opening is the greatest moment of his career think about that I highlight it because um, on paper, it's certainly not a band-aid. It's attempting to address generational poverty and to breach systemic barriers in a way that you don't hear of usually. Actually, it's doing it in a way that our government should be doing it, frankly. Um, it, it's involving the entire family and bringing up parents and role models, bringing to them new opportunities. And I highlight it because it's about using your imagination. And finally, I highlight it because it's not a quick fix. It's going to involve a great deal of work for the students, for their families, for the staff, and for Akron at large. And this reinforces a point that I have said in the past, I will say now, and I will continue to say in the future, that we cannot change the inequality landscape without work.
without real hard work. We're not going to get change. We are not going to get lasting change from sitting in our Lazy Boy with our koozie around our favorite drink and having the remote clicker in our hands. It is just not going to happen. It also takes being uncomfortable because um, LeBron, even though this is a great idea, um, there are people that are not happy with this. Um, And I'm not going to get into it, but of course our president um, had something to say about this idea that was very demeaning and something to say about LeBron as being being, um, not intelligent. Um, and I, I don't want to go beyond that. I'm a unifier, not a divider. But I will note that Millennia has said that she would come to the I Promise School. Thank you, Millennia. LeBron James didn't need to do this, as I said. Um, he could just be plowing, you know, keeping his millions. But instead, he's plowing at least $2 million into the I Promise School. He is giving back rather than, rather than um, pull, just being stationary. He is pulling us forward. He is an idealist. LeBron James is an idealist in the truest sense. And in part because he knows what it's like to walk in the shoes of the marginalized because he was one at one time. I hope you like what you hear. Please visit my website at illykrug.com. Email me. Um, sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple. People love The Ripple. If you go to my website at elliecrude.com, you'll be able to do that. When I come back, I've got more to talk to you about on this Talking Head show. Thanks. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Hi, this is Charlie. My dad is Minnesota's wildly popular and handsome radio host, Matt McNeil. Did I say that right, Dad? Perfect! When I got my driver's license, my parents let me drive a Sienna from Rudy Luther Toyota. I love it. It's easy, comfortable, and hauls all my baseball gear. And my parents love the safety. That's why they wanted me in the Sienna. Thanks to Rudy Luther Toyota, my son is safe as he begins his driving adventure. We're a two Sienna family thanks to Rudy Luther Toyota. Visit them today in Golden Valley at 169 and 394. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hello, friends. I've been talking to you about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens, Minnesota's first green cemetery dedicated to celebrating life and protecting our environment. One of the many wonderful things they have is something called the living urn. Ashes are buried in an urn with seedlings, ultimately coming back to life as a glorious tree. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Why don't you log on to the website, mngreengraves.com. Learn more about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens. See if it might be something that's meaningful for you. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. 
With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Hawes. Monday, chance of showers, cloudy with a high around 75. Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high near 77. And Wednesday, sunny with a high near 79. This week's EatLocalMinnesota.com Restaurant of the Week is The Great Wall. Just north of 50th and France in Edina, The Great Wall Restaurant has been providing a delicious taste of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. Find out more at EatLocalMinnesota.com. just enjoying that a little bit too long <laughs> if you have if you ever watch on facebook live when i tape this show you will notice that i am seat dancing whenever we have our bumper music i am i just love it and i and there's a reason why those songs are part of my show because they're all songs that i love and that song was by joseph called white flag and and at any rate um and uh, we are taping this, um, not taping this, we are live on Facebook Live. So if you ever want to see one of these shows as I'm doing it, um, not only listen to it, but see me, see what I look like, you can go to the AM950 Facebook Live page, or excuse me, the AM950 website, and we have, and I'm going to ask my producer, Brett Johnson, how does this work? If yeah, it's actually wants to just check- the AM950 Facebook page. That's all you got to do, and if you like our page, you should be notified every time we go live. Oh, well, there we go. See, I love it. Thank you, Brett, for that. You didn't know that Brett's always watching over me as I'm doing this work. Thank you, Brett, so very much. Okay. Oh, and I know that we have a new viewer on Facebook Live. His name is Bruce. Hi, Bruce. So, there we go. Okay, so here we are on my next slot. So, um, this is my C slot where I'm, you know, again, talking head show. And I want to continue with our theme about education and about our theme, sub-theme, about walking in the shoes of others. And I want to throw out an idea. Sorry, it's going to be, it's about me a little bit. Um, and I know the world is not all about me. But here's the idea. Is it possible that transgender people might have something to teach non-transgender people about what it means to live in this world with empathy and compassion and to be more open to people who are other? Now, I don't want to sound egotistical here. I don't want to be heady. I mean, I'm really a pretty humble person. But it's kind of weird. Um, A couple of days before I got into the Jane Elliott story, so I I talked in the first part of the show about Jane Elliott and the blue eyes, brown eyes experiment. A couple of days before I got into that, I actually um, started a blog post, okay? I did. I started a blog post, and it's not on my blog yet at elliekrug.com on on August 7th when we're taping this show, but it will be on my blog by August 20th when you hear this. And when I started that blog post, I wrote, uh, the very topic sentence was, quote, you don't know what it's like to walk in my shoes, unquote. And so just by coincidence, I start um, uh, looking for Jane Elliott, and I find out that her work is about that. So there you go, kind of weird. But in that blog post, I write about how I believe that transgender people um, are actually one of the relatively few groups of humans who do know what it's like to walk in the shoes of another, certainly when it comes to gender. So again, it's not all about me, okay? But when I presented as a man, and this seems like so long ago, but I only transitioned in 2009, I had no idea before that what it what what it meant to be female i had no understanding about the boys club that exists and trust me it does no understanding about the harassment that women get and trust me it does um i i i um did not engage in harassment but i certainly did not understand when it was taking place and when i presented as male i didn't understand how men talk to women we now have a label for it called mansplaining But I didn't understand that at all. And trust me, I mansplained a whole lot to a whole lot of women. So since transitioning, I've got a way better understanding about the dynamics between male and female. For example, after I transitioned, the first time a man 
hurled, and that would be the right word, hurled at me the phrase hysterical, that I was being hysterical, I've got to tell you, it singed when I heard that. Had you said that word to me as when I presented as male, I was like, well, you know, no, I'm not hysterical. But when you say that to a woman, that is a real, real red line that you just crossed. Or um, uh, understanding that a man called me ignorant um, a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, in, called me ignorant in front of a group of a group of thirty of my peers, called me ignorant. That would never have some, been something that would have ever happened when I presented as male. And let me tell you, it so hurt me when that word ignorant was thrown at me. Um, I did not understand, you know, how um, uh, how it is when men press um, women uh, romantically. I didn't understand that at all, okay? And, but that's happened to me since I transitioned, and I understand now how it can make women so incredibly uncomfortable. And who are men that have the right, that feel that, even though you say, look, I just want to be friends, who the heck are men who think they have the right to continue to press you for something more than friends? This, this experience I have about understanding what it's like now to live in a different gender, essentially to walk in the shoes of another, is one that many transgender people have. Um, and other than that, though, what else did transitioning genders teach me? Um, it taught me about empathy and compassion. And again, let's go back to Jane Elliott, the blue eyes, brown eyes thing. What was it that the brown eyes learned... What did they learn as they were being subjected to arrogance and to be bullying by the blue eyes? They learned the value of compassion, the value of having empathy for others. And me, in transitioning, I, I acquired boatloads of empathy and compassion. Empathy for me, as a human, to understand that there are just some things in life that are a certain way. And then empathy and compassion for others. And I've got to tell you, I am a way better person than what I was when I presented as male. And so, um, I'm, I'm just throwing this idea out there for you because right now, transgender people are not looked look to as some kind of touchstone for understanding how we all can change. Instead, in much of America, transgender people um, are pariahs. America, many in America loathe us. We're ridiculed. We're certainly discriminated against. I only have legal rights in 21 states. What instead, how would the landscape be different if people listened to us? If people said, hey, tell me about what it's like to go from one to the other. And, and will you tell me maybe what I might be able to learn about it as it relates to understanding people who are other. You know, what would it look like if people asked, tell us what you have learned as you took your journey? I know it's a radical idea of transgender people as teachers, as educators. Um, I know, it's radical. But we are, we have survived the human condition in ways that many people can't imagine. And, um, and, and by the way, we're all, we're all struggling to survive the human condition. I, I don't have the market corner. Trust me, I am, still, I am still working on it. But I have taken quite a journey. And so, um, you know, what would it be like if transgender people were viewed from that lens that perhaps they have something to teach us rather than through the lens that perhaps they should be ridiculed. I should remind, um, while I do this, um, that I do have a book out there, Getting to Ellen, a memoir about love, honesty, and gender change, available on Kindle Nook and Amazon. There's your marketing. Um, uh, that, uh, that actually does educate. I hear from a lot of people who are not transgender about how the book has touched them, about how they've learned some things about themselves. So the fact does remain, I do have an idea, 
I do know what it's like to walk in the shoes of another person. For that, I'm exceedingly grateful. And I'm exceedingly lucky. It has, that experience has informed me right now and will inform me for the rest of my life. It's what allows me, in part, to be a practical idealist. So, there you go. Throwing out that radical idea about trans people as teachers. Okay, when we come back from uh, uh, our break, we will go into our last segment where I'll talk about my work. Um, I'm hopefully that uh, this talking head thing isn't too much for you. Talk to you in a second. Thanks. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. When is the last time you had the outside of your windows clean? Cleaning your windows gives you brighter natural light in your home. Don't waste the summer sun and brighten your home's quality of light. Coming through those windows with Blue Sky Services. Get your windows washed before the fall rush. Blue Sky Services' final sale before fall is this month only, where you can get 25 window panes washed inside and out for only $129. Call 651-447-4484. That's Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we are back on LE 2.0 Radio on AM 950. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug. How are you? I hope that if you've been through with me throughout the whole show, oh my gosh, thank you so very much. If you're just tuning in, well, um, we're on every Monday from 2 to 8, um, sometimes live, usually taped, but that's just the nature of my life and uh, nature of the way things work sometimes. We are now, we've been, we've been talking about education as a theme, wrapped around with idealism and idealists, okay? And you are listening to me, a practical idealist. And now we're at my last block of this show where I get to talk about my work, about me as a practical idealist and the things I'm trying to do out in the world. Remember, I always say at this point, I'm doing this not because I'm like really, you know, stuck on Ellie Krug, but instead the, the station owner's like, Ellie, you got to talk about your work. We want you to do that. 
And so keeping with this theme of education, I want to talk about something that I recently learned. Okay, so I am being taught every day about things. And I, I am trying my best to keep my eyes open to learning new things. So last month, I, it, I was in Duluth for a conference. I was a keynote speaker for a conference for foster kids. The conference uh, was um, the tit- the name of the conference was Tomorrow's Later. T- excuse me, Tomorrow's Leaders Today. Tomorrow's Leaders Today. Hundred about 120 people, mainly most of them foster kids and then chaperones, were at this conference. It was two or three days. I was the keynote. I spoke to um, the room, everyone, about 120 people, as I said. And I looked around in the room as I was giving my keynote, and that room was filled with all colors, all colors, and all spectrums of gender and sexuality. These were kids, um, teenagers from, I'd say, 15 up through 21, 22, um, from across Minnesota. And as I was there, because I gave the keynote, and then after that I did a breakout, and I'm talk about the breakout session in a second, but as I was there, I got glimpses of humans. I heard some of their stories, just in passing. But these were stories of real trauma, and frankly, stories of horror, of how parents mistreat, can mistreat children, about um, foster parents even mistreating children, and about how kids mistreat themselves. Um, For the most part, these kids uh, seem to take so much of that in stride, so much of the history that they had. Although, you know, trauma is invisible. You can't see it. No one walks around with a quota on top of their head showing you, I've reached my trauma limit, or this is how much trauma I've had. There are no barcodes on our forehead that designate whether you've been a victim of trauma or not. And really, I don't like that word victim because I think the word survivor is more appropriate. So I gave a keynote about bridging divides, um, not uh, and, and two types of divides, getting past our own internal divisions, the things that hold us back, and then getting past the external divisions, the things that are holding back our country um, that are keeping us from being kind and gentle with each other. And then later in the day, I did a breakout. So this would be a a smaller session. We had maybe about 30 people in the room. And that um, I teamed with a transgender teen, a transgender boy. Um, So that would be somebody who was designated female at birth, but now identifies as male. And our breakout session was on um, coming out, on, on how to have coming out discussions, conversations with people important in your life. And so um, my, um, my transgender uh, co-partner in, in doing the um, training, um, in doing the breakout, uh, provided his story. Um, I uh, gave my story, and then other people in the room started giving their stories about being gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender. And I, I, there were a lot of brave people in that room that stood up and spoke. Um, But then the conversation, then this whole thing evolved into talking about and and allowing people to come out in other ways or talk about how they came out in other ways. I mean, for example, we had somebody in the room who had an addiction issue who was in recovery but talked about how they were in recovery and part of that is about coming out and and explaining that that you were addicted at some time. And then as we were doing that, A young woman, I would guess 18 years old, stood up. She's multiracial. I had talked with her beforehand. Um, She was a very nice person. And she stood up. And she talked about coming out as a foster child. Now, she had been in placement for some period of time, lived with a foster family, Um, This was outside of the Twin Cities. Um, It may have been in a um, much smaller city. I don't recall where it was. Um, But she talked about how she had um, been placed with this foster family, how she was doing well with the foster family, and she had been making friends in the neighborhood and at the school. And then at some point, 
um, people didn't apparently get that she was a foster child. They didn't understand that. They just thought she was a kid that had moved to town. Um, but at some point, she she came out. She let people know that she was a foster child. And she told the story of how, once she did that, things changed. Friends who used to invite her over to her house, over to their house, um, told her that she was no longer welcome. They literally said that to her, that their parents had told them that not to invite her over. Other friends had said they could no longer go to her house. Um, she lost friends. People started shunning her at school. All of this simply because she was just a foster kid. And I thought as she told this story, now I'm learning, she's teaching me as I'm hearing this. And I thought to myself one word, wow, wow. We will even do that as humans. We will even shun foster kids. And hearing her story reminded me so very much about the things that I do not know, the things that I have yet to learn about how this world works. It made me sad, but you know what? She was pretty strong about it as she told her story. And, um, you know, and she had come to me earlier and, and asked about my book and, um, and said she was all tapped out about buying a book. And so after that breakout session, I just had her come over. I said, hey, come here. And I, I inscribed, I asked her, you know, I said, how do you want me to spell your name? And then I gave her a special inscription. I gave her the book and says, here, there you go. It's all yours. I mean, geez, that's the, le the least I could do for this human. <sighs> We're all learning. We all have to think about what it's like to walk in the shoes of someone else because we don't think about that nearly enough. Okay, well, we've got another show in the can, as they say. Let me thank our sponsors, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and Brending Electrolysis. Contact Bev. Let her know that Ellie recommended you. She does such great work. A huge shout-out to my producer, Brett. You are just phenomenal. I just love, I adore you. You make it all work. And to you, my listeners, thank you for tuning in every Monday from 7 to 8. I really appreciate it. Um, tell others about this show. Visit my website at elliekrug.com. And thank you for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.